Coming to you from inside the box. We recently hosted a virtual gathering where we asked Philadelphia educators participating in our Make Space project to share a bit about the creative routines they are experimenting with and adapting to their particular classroom contexts. Creative routines are short exercises that fire up our creative engines, engaging creative thinking, attitudes, and behaviors, or our creative resources. They can be done with a whole class, a small group, or individually. So yeah, the way this will work is we, we're gonna take turns sharing our routine adaptation from mile 12. Um, again, if you're not there yet, or you did this a long time ago, um, you have, some space to just share how you've been uh, implementing creative routines and how you've been thinking about them in your classroom or in your, if you're a principal in your school context with your staff. In this first share, the teacher is working from the creative routine we call vocabulary gestures. Students are asked to create embodied expressions or gestures to physically describe a vocabulary word. Mine was movement with vocabulary. The reason why I chose this is because I am not an ELA teacher specifically, but ELA is my passion. And what I noticed was that oftentimes um, students get bored when we give them vocabulary words. They're like, oh, that word, I don't want, you know, they're not very interested and they may learn how to spell it and they may know the definition, but they really don't know how to apply it. And especially when they don't use that, they haven't heard that word before, they don't use it frequently. So I adapt this from the vocabulary gesture um, idea, mm -hmm. but my concept was um, to have the student act out a word, but then they, when they partner up, the other student comes up with another way to create that gesture of that vocabulary word. Then that way they can come to an agreement on which gesture makes the most sense and which one, and then that makes them have more buy-in and say, yeah, this is, this, this word means this, because I loved the vocabulary gesture when I did it with the fifth grade at my school. And what I found was that they had more buy-in when they really understood what the gesture was. Instead of them just doing it, the other person had to agree to it. So I figured like they would come up with a word and then one would, and then they would do a gesture, then the other person would do a gesture, then they would agree to a gesture instead of just saying, this is the gesture. Um, so that's what I came up with. And I said they would, we would practice it once a week, but I'm interested in doing it more with students to see, um, how it works for them. I know when I did it with the students, they got a little silly with it. So I, mm -hmm. I knew my challenge was to keep them reeled in and engaged in it. And I would introduce it to them when they get new vocabulary words, especially when they're learning a new text. And I actually suggested that to their ELA teacher to use it. And she said she liked it and it really worked. Nice. I was I was curious, Rhonda, as a follow up, when you did the vocab gestures with your fifth graders, did mm -hmm. you see? I, I I saw that you you called this movement with vocab, and and I was curious if you found them, you know, to kind of use more of their whole body. And oh, and they were falling on the floor. Yeah, okay. They were crawling on the yeah. floor. They were okay. all over the place. So I I guess I should have said that. That's why I said I really needed to give them more structure because it got a little yeah. silly at a point. Yeah. Because they were just like trying to figure out how much 
how I can be funnier than the last person's gesture instead of really focusing on what we were trying to get. So really, yeah. I had to really um, bring it back and say, okay, how can I focus this a bit more on the word? But they were literally crawling on the floor, falling to the floor, trying to figure yeah. out which way, which is actually fun because they, they understood the word. They really, yeah. it was a yeah. way of really understanding the word. And then so that addition of of having um, a partner agree creates a little more accountability, like like refocuses a little bit. Yeah, yeah when you think about it, even in life, we usually have partners, we're working in jobs or whatever, just and we, we even when we do small groups and they're working in groups a lot. So thinking about it in a way where they're working with a partner and then a partner has to agree and then they present. They're not going to forget that word, neither of them, at least yeah. that word. And then when That's they nice. present, I had them present to the class. So when they presented to the class, the students really remembered the word. It's nice. In this next example, we hear from a teacher using the 30-second persuasions routine. In its original form, students take turns persuading each other from arbitrary prompted positions like, watching a movie is better than reading a book because, or squirrels might be spying on us because. So I am a math and science teacher, sixth grade. And um, for my creative routine that I adapted, I picked the persuasive um, activity and I put a twist on it in math. I did it a few different ways. So the, fir the first one that comes to mind is um, during a warm up, we're doing illustrative math. So it comes in the program, it gives you a warm up, something that they um, already should know how to do. So um, they'd come up with, let's say it's their math answer, and then they would persuade their partner why their answer is correct, and then switch off and the other person would persuade why their answer was correct. Um, I've also used it in the cool down, which is at the end of our math, after they've been taught the lesson, they're given an additional problem that went along with, you know, whatever they were supposed to learn for that day. So They've also, you know, it's kind of a turn and talk. Well, this is how I did it. And these are the reasons that I picked this answer or I got this answer because these are the different um, ways that I got to this answer. And then they would just switch off with that. Um, the one thing that I did notice when using this routine is that um, the kids are arguing like, not arguing, arguing in a bad thing, like really getting to a good point as to why they're going to be right. So I like that. And it was a lot of talking. Um, our math program does want you to do a lot of talking. And a lot of times the kids are kind of shy with it and don't talk to their partner when they're supposed to, or they're talking to their partner, but not about math. Yeah, I think it's uh, that's a really good idea to get the students connected and just to discuss their thinking patterns, especially with math, because uh, you know, just especially when I, I remember being like in middle school and even high school, like the way that I would do the math, I could never really, I couldn't always show my work, but I could like explain how I got there. So I think that's just like a, a nice outlet for you as the teacher to make sure that students are understanding the concepts and also, um, you know, potentially helping other students out Definitely. at the same time. This teacher shares his adaptive use of the metaphor cards, 
a collection of visuals for creating metaphors. Um, my creative routine is called, or I called magnifying metaphor. So I kind of took a bunch of the different metaphor styled routines and I, I wanted to focus on that because it's so broad and it can be applied to so many different things. And I've actually been able to use it in a number of ways. Specifically, I wanted to focus um, my creative routine on writing. It's something that students really struggle with. Um, and even more specifically, students finding their voice in their writing. It's a hard thing to teach. It's really an abstract concept, like, well, what is my voice and how do I sound unique? So I wanted to create, give something physical to help them with like the metaphorical part of thinking about voice and writing. I've been creating a bunch of I'm calling them choice boards, but it's just a bunch of random images that I'm putting onto a Google Doc or Google Slide. Sometimes they're seasonal and relate to like, or they relate to the topic we're reading about. Um, sometimes they're just like things that are in pop culture that students are referencing a lot or um, things that they're interested in. When we finish a chapter or a text, um, and students are writing like responses or text dependent responses, they'll use that board that's projected to make some kind of metaphorical connection to either a character or a setting or the plot or whatever is happening in the text. Re really, it's a way for students to like think about again, how they're saying things and to think about writing more creatively, even in a piece that might be like text dependent or really specific on something, they can add in their own personal um, connections and really kind of incorporate those into writing and grow. I think, I think my question for you is, have you seen students that aren't normally writing? Has this had an impact on the students who are most, who are least engaged normally? So I would say, like, obviously writing's not optional, but we have a lot of, like, reluctant writers. Yeah. So it's encouraged students that, like, say, oh, well, I just don't know what to write or um, I don't like writing or I don't. It, it's encouraged, like, that population of students to, mm -hmm. like, I'll often have them start with, like, a sentence or two based on the metaphor board. And then that will help them to kind of like add in the more formal text dependent pieces. So like they're almost able to find their voice first and then mm. kind of add the the evidence or refocus back on the topic. So it's kind of like an alternative way for them to get the process right. started, what mm -hmm. I, which I think is sometimes the hardest part for kids. I'll just make a comment. Um, Jared, I think that's a great idea of adding metaphors to um, responding to a TDA, especially when you're asking students to add their own voice versus copying directly from the passage. I wrote that down in my notes um, to take back to my teachers because I believe kids could always use another tool to add to their writing. So kudos, kudos to you.
One exciting outcome we heard about repeatedly from teachers was that engaging students in creative routines often provides teachers with new ways of seeing their students and the work they are doing in the classroom. Here again is the teacher who worked with metaphor. You're right is that I got so sick of reading TDAs that all sounded the same when like we know our kids are like different and creative in different ways and have so many different things to offer that it's like it made my life better because I'm reading things that are more interesting and learning about kids and learning about connections that they're making but also like uh, like you said it's just so dry sometimes um, and it's hard to teach. This next educator works with the creative routine selfies, where students make simple sketches in response to reflective prompts like, what is your weather today? Or what fruit are you feeling like right now? Listen to how she turns these sketches into opportunities to check in with her students. My strategy routine that I focused on was selfies. I have found that it's been a really great way to connect to my middle schoolers. I only see them for 45, 50 minutes, once, maybe twice a week. Um, so I really don't get an opportunity to see them for a long period of time. So these are like very quick kind of temperature checks for me um, that I've begun to do. Um, and through doing that with my sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, um, I've started to see a lot more risk taking with their drawings and a lot more growth mindset. So their selfies are becoming a little more um, involved as we've progressed on. Um, and I've also started using the selfie routine as like a pause and think as we're working. Um, so if we're working on a project, I'll quickly either pass out a post-it note or I'll tell them to open their journal back up. And I, I'll just tell them, I want you to pause right now and think about how you feel currently in your process on your project. Are you excited about it? Are you confused about it? It's been really nice to implement as kind of like a pause and just a pause and think. Um, and then they keep it at their desk. So as I'm rotating around, I now have a visual cue that like, oh, you're really excited about your artwork. Tell me about it. What are you really excited about? Oh, you seem frustrated right now because of the frustration face. Tell me why. How can we work through this? So it's starting. It's been really good about getting them reflective about their work getting them to think a little bit deeper. They're not just making something because I'm telling them to make something. They're making something to kind of build investment in it. Um, and it's been helping them kind of like problem solve um, growth mindset. So I look forward to seeing how I continue to develop the selfies and how they become more comfortable with them. So that's what's going on in my room. We could not resist sharing these final insights from an educator who also gains a fresh perspective on her students as creative contributors. She is engaging with the many uses creative routine where students generate ideas for ways to use an object. Okay, so the creative routine that I adopted for me is a many use game. 
because I have autistic support kids seven and eight. So I adopted it because I wanted them to do more of their social skills. And I figure it's a fun way for them to talk and be still with each other to come up like different ways in how you could use an item. So yesterday, it was like the perfect segue into doing it. Because we do morning meeting every morning. So we are talking about winter. So the thermometer popped up. I was like, perfect opportunity and time. So I was like, who can give me different ways of how you could use a thermometer and draw how you use your way and draw how you use a thermometer? So a lot of kids said, um, when you're sick, and this one kid, he was like, when you're cooking, I was like, you know what? I never even thought about a thermometer when you stick it in a chicken. Because I've never used it to stick in a chicken and make sure it's at the right temperature. So when he said that, I was like, you know what? It's good to have more than one mind sometimes. And to even have these games that kids can come up out of the blues with stuff. It really make you think like, oh my goodness. I never ever thought about it like that. So I appreciate it many used to because they weren't afraid to like talk and say how they feel with this one. Just be silly and have fun with it. Thank you so much for taking this time to listen with us. We are appreciative of the amazing Philadelphia educators we get to work with and so excited to be a part of this evolving project.